everybody. Welcome to In the Key of D, using digital to transform your business. It's a show that explores why digital matters and how it helps entrepreneurs, business leaders, and digital and marketing professionals make their businesses better. I'm your host, Kathy Hollenhorst, President and CEO of Creatus, and joining me is my co-host, Gino Giovanelli, who is a leading digital marketing expert and an award-winning professor at the University of St. Thomas. In the Key of D is proudly sponsored by Creatus, the go-to digital marketing resourcing firm that helps companies across the Twin Cities get more work done. Creatus does that through a unique combination of solutions, including on-site staffing and outsourced project work in the Creatus studio. Welcome everyone to today's episode, which will be a fascinating discussion and deep dive into digital marketing channels, the benefits of an omni-channel strategy, best practices and measurement, and what's new in the earned media space. Joining us to do all that is Adam Dintz, who has over 20 years of experience in all areas of digital marketing and has led strategy for some of the largest brands in the world. Adam is currently the Director of Digital Experiences at Collegius Education. At Collegius, Adam oversees search engine and conversion rate optimization, the user experience, and the marketing automation practices. Prior to Collegius, Adam headed up digital marketing at Arrowhead Holdings and also oversaw earned media at the Deluxe Corporation. He has also worked at several large global agencies, including MRM McCann and iCrossing. Adam has a bachelor's degree from San Diego State University, an MBA from St. Catherine University, and is currently an adjunct digital marketing instructor for the University of St. Thomas's MBA program and at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Well, Gino, I expect you have crossed paths a few times with Adam. Yeah, uh, Adam and I have, uh, boy, we've taught a lot of classes together at St. Thomas. We've even had the, some of the same clients, uh, never at the same time, but um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to today's program with Adam. Uh, Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with, with you all. Excellent. Well, we want to start big picture like we do with most of our guests. So, Adam, if you could start, how do you define digital transformation and how have you seen it impact some of the companies that you have worked with? You know, I think when most people uh, think about digital transformation, uh, they think about it as, as companies taking full advantage of, of digital marketing. But digital transformation goes well beyond that, you know, into places like e-commerce regarding areas like supply chain operations, uh, CRM, and, and, and more. So I think digital has really helped companies, digital transformation has really helped companies and organizations um, meet the demands of their customers' needs. And the ones that are still a bit back on that maturity curve are, are struggling, and the ones that are, are, are adapting more and, and really um, embracing uh, digital transformation with both resources and with the optimism of embracing change, they're doing really well. So let's talk about your career. It's been an interesting journey from agencies through a couple of big companies, and, and now you're in higher ed. So Adam, give us a quick peek into your, that career journey and how the aspects of digital um, have evolved over your various roles. Sure. So um, it's interesting. My first job in digital uh, marketing was before uh, it was called digital marketing. No one even <laughs> used the word digital. What did they call it, Adam? Yeah. What was it called? Uh, they, they, well, there, there wasn't a term. Uh, yeah. they, oh. we, we just spoke, we spoke by channel. You were an email, you, yeah. You, yeah. you sent emails or you, you were hacking Google's algorithm, <laughs> SEO or 
you know, right. uh, or you were an affiliate. It was, it was interesting. My, my first job was actually at my first digital marketing job was at a community college in San Diego. And, um, if the college president is listening to this, which he may be, cause we're friends on Facebook still, um, he, uh, I had been actively involved on campus as a student and I was getting ready to transfer to San Diego state and he wanted to keep me on campus. So he asked me if I'd be willing to take a, a, a job on campus. And I said, sure. Uh, what, what do you want me to do? And he said, do you know how to code websites? And I said, oh, of course I know how to build websites. I had no idea how to build websites. <laughs> and so I, uh, so he said, okay, good. You, you have the job. You have a month. Uh, we, we need you to start in a month. So I spent uh, that month learning front page. And for those of you who are old school, oh, yeah. you know that front oh, yeah. page. Yeah. Just like Microsoft Word, right? Insert table, insert picture. Very, very, um, uh, you know, very just drag and drop. Not, not a lot of the technologies that exist today. So that's how I got started, and um, and I learned how to build websites. And shortly after that, I started to work with small businesses. And at that time, websites were were mostly just marketing sites. There was no e there, there wasn't a lot of e commerce yet. Um, it was still very young. It was sort of like your online business card, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, after, after Grossman, I, I won't spend too much time, but I, I, I started building websites for small businesses. And then I was asked by a print marketing company in Arizona. I was living now at this point in Arizona to, to join them and build their website out and to help them build a practice uh, to offer website design to their small business customers. So I spent about five years there. Mm -hmm. And then I was recruited by iCrossing, which is okay. uh, now owned by Hearst Media. And they're the, one of the largest global search marketing – well, they don't like to be called that – one of the largest <laughs> digital marketing agencies yeah. in, in, in the world. I, uh, about a year after that, I was recruited to go work for MRM uh, McCann yep. in New York. Mm -hmm. And I, um, at that point, I was, I, I was VP of search and content strategy across a variety of big brands. And at that point, um, I think larger brands were just starting to embrace digital marketing. They were still very traditional a lot of the brands that worked with MRM at the time were highly invested in in traditional and digital was 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 still like an afterthought in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, and then I moved here. I wanted out of New York. Uh, it wasn't the the right vibe for me. And I moved here. I started working with Deluxe and I I led uh, organic search and earned media, uh, meaning organic social media at at Deluxe Corporation and. And that was interesting because Deluxe at the time was going through a digital transformation uh, on, on, of itself where it was moving more from traditional into digital. They were bringing all of their capabilities in-house from being uh, served on the agency side. And um, and then I followed my CMO who left uh, Deluxe over to Arrowhead and spent about a little over a year there helping to build out a direct-to-consumer um, digital footprint for, for their business. And now I'm at Collegius where uh, I, I'm director of digital experiences, and I, I lead a, a variety of different teams, and we service higher education institutions across the U.S. Cool. Uh, Adam, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the Collegius role that you have in, in terms of the different roles you have on your team and what your team is responsible for? Absolutely. Um, so essentially, I, I like to call our, our team the owned media team, even though we're, we're, we're digital experience, we're called mm. digital experiences. So my team is comprised of a few different uh, functionalities. So there's search engine optimization. Uh, we have user experience, conversion rate optimization, and front-end development, which, you know, usually are, I mean, you know, if you think about own media, all of those things are, are sort of um, concentric circles, right? Uh, 
and then uh, you have marketing. We have marketing automation on our team. Mm, and okay. hey, Adam, um, I think our listeners know, but just in case they don't, just give a quick definition for what owned media means. Oh, thank you. Yes. So in 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 digital, we we tend to refer to the acronym POEM, P O E M, and that essentially stands for paid, owned, and earned media. And so paid media, I think we all know, is you know paid advertising essentially. Earned media is sort of that online word of mouth marketing. Um, so think of, of organic social media or P, uh, digital PR, those types of activities. And owned media refers to the owned properties that uh, an organization has. So it, it, and it could be a Facebook page that they own, um, a website, their email marketing, um, a, a variety of different owned properties, anything that... Uh, and go back to the business card statement, right? But anything that you own, you can post whatever content you want, share it, and um, you know, drive people towards is what I, I I consider to be own media. Yes. And is the emphasis still on acquisition of new student, or do, are you also looking yes. at using digital marketing to keep current students enrolled so that they don't drop out, so that they keep you know coming back year after year and staying in the program? For most of the schools that we work with at this point, we're focused uh, around enrollment. Okay. Um, but we do have we do have partners, and we refer to our clients as partners. We do have partners that are more uh, have invested more in the full life cycle of marketing. Mm -hmm. So you know everything from enrollment to regular messaging to um, you know graduation to alumni right. and uh, across the board. Got it. Absolutely. Got it. Cool. All right. Well, I promised uh, our listeners we're going to get dive deep into marketing channels. So let's go there. So Adam, how do you define the various digital channels? What are they? Well, you know, from a broad from a broader perspective, you know, you could think of of websites including social media and video sharing sites as a uh, as a web channel. You could think of of search engine results as a channel, um communication, so like communicating with uh, email or through messaging apps, and then a variety of mobile apps. Uh, in general, right? Apps are their are their own channel. Um, in my day to day, because you can really define channels yeah. in a lot of different ways. I I I more think of channels as digital marketing channels, uh, similar to how you would find them defined in either Google Analytics or in Adobe Analytics, which are things like direct, organic search, paid search, referral, email marketing, uh, social media, affiliate, right? So. More along the lines of those types of, of channels. Those are the channels I work in on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, and I'm going to make you do a Sophie's Choice here, oh, which boy. is a movie reference that I'm going to make you uh, force you to pick your favorite channel. So when you think of all those okay. as you define them, um, you know, which one do you like the best? Or, or which one have you had the most success with and why? You know, I, 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 I really enjoy, uh, I don't have as much experience in paid search as I do in organic search. I have a lot of experience working with paid search data. Um, uh, and, and that's what I, I, I really love, uh, in general is working with data. Um, but search in general is, is my favorite, my favorite channel. Mm. I've spent most of my career in search, even though I, I do, um, understand marketing channels broadly and I'm able to, you know, strategize across those different channels. Um, organic search really is my deep T and it's my favorite channel. And you know, when I first started my, my agency career at iCrossing and, and I was introduced to search marketing, uh, and, and one of my first meet and greets, I met with our department head. 
And uh, I asked her what her favorite thing about search was. Uh-huh. And at this time, it was organic search. Mm. Paid search was just starting to come into um, mainstream. And she said, Adam, you know, uh, or search is the only channel where you can truly help somebody right. find the information, the products or the services, or whatever they're looking for at the exact moment they're searching for it. So we talk, we talk a lot of, uh, now about the right message at the right time for the right person. Well, organic search has been doing that since day one, right? Like that's Google's whole purpose in, in search marketing is, is the moment somebody's searching for something that they need, Google, Bing, or back then uh, MSN, right? Uh, or any of the other uh, search engines can, can, can prescribe the right uh, uh, search results for them. And so for me, I loved that, you know, it, and, and it, 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 so that was one reason I, 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 I fell in love with search because it was really about helping people more than it was marketing. Um, and the, the flip side of it is all the data that comes, as I mentioned earlier, it's like, you know, there's so much data from search that goes back so many years. So you, you can almost be a digital anthropologist in a lot of ways <laughs> I love that. and, yeah, and just go back and what is the data? What has the data been telling us? How has it changed? How is it morphing? What does that mean? Uh, and and where do we see that going in the future? Adam, I wanted to jump back to something you just mentioned a second ago, that cross channel. So Kathy's question yes. was all about, you know, the different channels and which one was your favorite. Let, let's get into a little bit about how these channels can be uh, used together sort of in, in an integrated fashion, whether that's multi-channel or omni-channel, because I think that's really where where, where the, where the, when it all comes together, if you will, customers don't hit us with one channel or we don't hit customers with just one channel at a time. It, it, it works best when it's in an integrated fashion. Completely agreed, you know, uh, integrated marketing, integrated digital marketing is, is where it's at. And I think we're starting to, we're, I think we're seeing, uh, uh, you know, more and more organizations sort of adapt that omni-channel marketing versus just a multi-channel approach because, mm-hmm. I think when, when it, you know, as new channels come out, there's always, or, or they're new, historically, I should say, you know, there's that bright, shiny object. It's like, oh, let's do that. Let's do that. We have to invest in that and do it uh, without really a connected strategy together. Um, and, and still, sometimes you'll see that with, um, I hate to say it, but on the agency side, you see that too, where, um, you know, a client will come in and say, I, I want some of this and I want some of that <laughs> and I want some of this over here, right? Right. So it's like you, you know, um, I want the I want the the turkey yeah. and I want the stuffing, but I don't want the gravy. Uh, and and so now you've got this dish of like three different things, and they all taste good. Uh, but you know, it's not it's 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 they're they're missing that ingredient that ties all of it together that exactly. makes it a meal. Gravy's the best part. And yeah, the gravy is the best part. And to me, the gravy is the omni-channel, right? Mm. The gravy is connecting all of it together, and um, and it's really important to do that. And there's so many opportunities to do that. I think, Gino, you touched on it. Uh, Google did a study with a sister agency of ours in New York, Shopper Sciences, back in 2011. And the study was called the Zero Moment of Truth. And uh, essentially, the Zero Moment of Truth study, uh, I think it, they surveyed 5,000 shoppers and, and tried to get a sense of, of how shoppers make purchase decisions. And uh, of course, back in 2011, this may have been a, a big insight, no longer, but most people, before they even get on the phone with a salesperson uh, or, or a representative, they've already scoured the web on their phones or wherever they are. 
looking to do their own research, looking at reviews, um, look price comparing, reaching out to their friends and asking what they think, um, you know, a variety of different things. And so it's really important to understand how your customer, your audience, uh, it's really important to understand what their journey is. And then it's important to make sure that you're there um, where your where your audience is, and you're there in a in a very strategic way, so that you're able to meet their needs. I think all of our our listeners, I know I am, I'm getting more accustomed to across all the channels. Like I said, when I'm searching on a website, where all of a sudden a very tailored ad pops up on my Facebook feed, and I'm okay with right, that. Right, right. I, I also saw a post on social media that said something like. If you want help Christmas shopping, just tell your phone all the things you want on the, on the shopping <laughs> list, and you'll start seeing it in all your in all your social media properties. Yeah, yeah. Adam, on that omni-channel strategy, have you seen? Does it differ between B two B versus B two C companies? Oh, that's a really good question, um, and, and it's actually something that I get asked a lot in class mm-hmm. um, teaching because you know. Uh, and when you when when you're instructing, uh, you, you tend to get students that are are, are working on B two B and direct to consumer, and and having a one size fits all curriculum doesn't work in a lot of ways because there are different needs across the board. So I'm glad you asked that question. You know, I think from an omni channel, you know, it, it should it, the, in relation to D two C and B two B, yes, both should have omni channel mm-hmm. marketing. Okay. Uh, strategies in place. Now, they differ slightly in that, you know, for some B2B businesses, um, the channels differ. Mm-hmm. And so it's really about understanding where your customers are, uh, because if you're spending time and effort and and uh, and, and money uh, investing in channels where it's not the most lucrative to be because your customers aren't really hanging out there if you're a B2B company, um, you know, uh, and this is probably a, a far out example, but you know, if 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 you're trying to sell bankers, um, uh, if if you're a financial institution that's selling bankers something, mm-hmm. and it's a B two B connection that way, and you're on TikTok doing dancing videos, right? Like that's probably a poor, uh, not not the best idea yet. Yet, maybe maybe one day it will yeah, be. That's right. It'll come. But if you're direct to consumer, that might make total sense. Um, and so, really, I, I often tell my I, I, B2B is very prescriptive for me. It's very specific. So it's like, what kind of B2B are you? Are you trying to reach? So at Deluxe, we were B2B, mm-hmm. uh, but most of our small business customers were, um, you know, small businesses, maybe two to three customers, right, or two to three business uh, people who ran the business, yeah. and they didn't know. Uh, and we had millions of those of those, and they were everywhere, right? I and mean, when you talk about, hey, if we want to reach small business owners, yeah, we can reach them on Facebook, we we can reach them on Twitter, we can reach them through email, all the similar channels that we can. If it, it is very similar to direct to consumer, versus if I'm trying to sell a very specific piece of technology to a large corporation, and there's one person in that corporation that is responsible for making purchase decisions, and I have to get in front of that person, then my whole strategy changes. So can I still use an omni-channel approach? Absolutely. I can still use my CRM to track the stage process. I can still allow that CRM to dictate what email I'm sending to that person. My acquisition strategy may be a little bit different in terms of maybe I'm using LinkedIn to message with that person directly versus blasting ads at them. Right. Um, and so it's really important, I think, for, for B2Bs out there to really think about the, their their customer journey um, 
and and then map their omni-channel approach back to that, similar to direct-to-consumer. I mean, every business should do that, but for B2B in particular, because I've seen a lot of businesses, I can't tell you how many B2B companies I've I've talked to that are just, they're not leveraging LinkedIn. Yeah. Wow. And it's like, well, I don't understand right. how you're not doing that. <laughs> so I think it's more about picking the right channels. I think uh, and, and then making sure that you're you're connecting the dots between all of them, regardless of whether you're direct to consumer or B two B. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Adam, for bringing in that B two B perspective. Uh, so helpful. Um, let's let's just kind of net it out though as we leave this this, this segment here about the cross channel stuff. Uh, any best practices you can you can throw our way, whether it's B two C or B two B, in terms of if you're trying to deploy a multi channel, omni channel type marketing strategy. Yeah. Develop your customer, draw it out, sketch it out, understand your customer journey. Your customer experience is is so key. And that's not just going to help you market, but it's going to help you across the board uh, better understand your customer and and even maybe adapt your products and services. Got it. Hey, I recently uh, participated in an e-commerce forum that Irish Titan put on. And it was really interesting to hear the direct-to-consumer companies, what they're doing in the e-commerce space. And specifically, several of them, their love-hate relationship with Amazon. Um, what are you mm-hmm. seeing in the e-commerce space? And what's your, your point of view on if uh, one of our listeners is an online retailer, should I engage, be engaging with Amazon or not? You know, uh, I, I worked uh, at, my previous, at my previous life prior to Collegius with a, an e-commerce company. And, and as we built out our, our direct-to-consumer um, platform, Amazon was really a key a key a piece of that, and we sold a lot on Amazon. We sold a ton on Amazon, and it uh-huh. was very lucrative for us. Um, but our cost for our products were very, our margins were huge, right? Um, and so uh, it, it was okay. It was okay. I think you know Amazon. Um, Amazon does does take a big bite out of 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 your profits. Um, as someone who's published a book, I can tell you that. Um, Amazon uh, is not always the most friendly uh, uh, platform to work with. I one of the I, I always share this story. You know, when I published my book, the sticker on it was 19.99, and um, I was going around and I was speaking uh, at uh, events, and I would do book signings, and I would sell my book, you know, for, uh-huh. for 20 bucks. And I was <laughs> I was sitting at the table signing books, and someone came up to me and said, "Hey, I'm looking on Amazon, and your books on uh, Amazon selling your book for for thirteen ninety nine. Oh, no. oh my god! I was like, I was like, what? And I, I looked at it, and I I called my publisher afterwards, and I said, "What's going on with Amazon?" And she said, "Well, Amazon can choose to to sell it for less. Um, you still make the same profit on it, but um, but if they think they can sell more, they'll just drop the price on it." How, how dare they? How, how yeah, how am I supposed to uh, sell my books for twenty dollars, which is the sticker price, if I can't keep up with Amazon? You know, and so right. Amazon can be really frustrating across the board, and it really is important to have if you're gonna if you're gonna be on Amazon, just like if you were gonna use Google paid ads to drive traffic to your website. I mean, you really have to be on top of it and be on top of what your competition is doing. If they're adjusting prices. Um, if they're doing different things with their their product pages on Amazon, you really have to keep an eye on that. And so it can be a, a real frustrating um, point uh, for 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 businesses. But I would say that you know it, it's interesting if you look at the data. I was actually recently reading a study that eMarketer uh, put out. Mm-hmm. It was in June of 2019, but it's one of the newer studies. 
And and what have what what they found was that 49% of customers start their purchase journey on Amazon now, which is a huge number. Mm. Google comes in at 22%, according to eMarketer. And back when I started in search, that, yeah. Google, uh, it, it was like 80% of all journeys begin on Google. Uh-huh. Well, now for e-commerce, like 22% um, and 49% on Amazon. And so that's a huge delta. And, and also... As of uh, June, as of, of that June of nineteen study, nearly fifty-two percent of American households have a Prime account. So, Holy wow! I mean, if it's huge, and so you know, if you're not on Amazon, are you missing out on opportunity? Yes, but if you can't be profitable on Amazon, does it make sense to be there? Mm, mm. You know, that's 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 a different question. Uh, hey, can we switch gears? Uh, I, you mentioned data a couple times uh, so far, and I want to go deeper on that. Um, let's talk about, uh, you know, when, when we're doing marketing, and with, you know, particularly with cross-channel, uh, where the customer is hitting a couple different of our, of our marketing channels uh, through, as they're going through the funnel, how do you, how do you measure that effectively um, in, in terms of making sure you're giving credit to the right channel for, for doing its role and getting the person through the funnel? What's your thought on that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, analytics measurement is, I mean, uh, you know, we talk about creating goals and objectives for, for our businesses that we work in. And if you can't measure that appropriately, mm-hmm. then uh, A, you, you know, did we, did we do what we said we were going to do? Well, I don't know. Did we? <laughs> and, uh, and if we want to continue to grow, where do we, where do we continue to invest? Right. So, the most important thing is that we are measuring appropriately. And what that means is having a proper measurement strategy in place. And so again, that means defining your, before we even, before you even begin to track things, defining your objectives, creating that strategy that supports hitting your objectives, and then making sure to, to draft out in writing uh, what your measurement plan is, what your KP, what KPIs, key performance indicators you'll be tracking and reporting on, and and using as your your source of, of of insight. And so, and those KPIs may differ by channel, but it's important to kind of to, to know for each channel what are we going to be measuring, and then how do we how do we then um, uh, take all of that data and 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 draw insights out of it. Now. To your question, Gino, uh, too many of us in digital still use what we call last-click attribution model to measure marketing performance. And essentially what that means is the last channel that – the final channel that led to a sale is the last click. Mm -hmm. So if I visit a website, my first visit is from a Facebook ad click, and I don't purchase the product, and I leave. And then I come back through an email, Mm -hmm. and I don't purchase the product again. And then I come in the final time through organic search, and I buy – Organic gets the gold medal, and we get to say that hey, we we won. Um, and later, you know, later on, if if that pattern continues, you know, the if you're reporting on a last click model, your CMO is looking at the data, going, well, why are we investing in paid social? It's not converting. It's organic. Let's continue to invest there. Let's cut back on paid social, and all of a sudden, the next year, your organic search isn't performing like it did the year before, and so. You know, I think more more organizations now are moving to that multi-touch attribution model, where they're looking at every touch involved in the in the purchase journey, and that's been that's a really effective way of of measurement because you then begin to understand what role each marketing channel plays in the conversion um, 
within the conversion process. Even if you are using a last click attribution model, um, within Google, I mean, all, all of the, the, the analytics tools, but even the free version of Google Analytics, which is fairly robust, you can pull out a report that shows you um, what channels, the value of assisted conversions, right, from other channels that aren't the last touch. So you can get a sense of, 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 of how those are playing. Earlier, you uh, gave a nice overview of the different media, the paid versus owned versus earned. So on the organic uh, social side, if uh, one of our listeners, CMO, like you said, or runs a small business, wants to get started, maybe they're not doing a lot of that kind of organic social side, where, what's one thing you could suggest if somebody is going to just begin that journey? Yeah. Um, one of the things I love organic social for um, is is listening, mm-hmm. social listening. And because I, it's, it's interesting, if, 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 if you were to go to a therapist and the therapist talked the entire time and didn't let you speak, yeah. um, what would you think about that therapist, <laughs> right? Like, eh, I'm not going to come back to that person because I don't get to, they're, they're, not, they're not doing anything for me. They're not helping me. And I feel like that's what brands do a lot on organic social is it's post, 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 post. Oh, did somebody like this? Did somebody love it? Did they share it? Okay, cool. Here's my report card. Um, and I think a lot of businesses, when they get into organic social, they just start posting. They come up with a content calendar. They start posting. They start doing all of these things. What I recommend that, that organizations do is spend time before you start talking to your prospective audience or or. Um, I should say heavily investing in it. Spend time social listening. Listen to your marketing channels. Listen to what your what what's being said on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, follow the right accounts. Um, really invest in in, in 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 social marketing technology that makes it easy to pull in um, specific uh, things relevant to your your industry or your company that help you understand and get a better pulse on what's being said in in social media. Um, and, and when I say social media, I mean, we're talking Reddit, you know, mm-hmm. you're talking Google reviews, we're talking Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, social really is everything nowadays. Yes. Any, anywhere that somebody can post a comment, uh, could be a blog, right. Uh, is, is, is essentially a social network. Um, and so spending time, I, I'm a big advocate of the 80, 20 rule where 80% of your time is listening and 20% of your time is posting. Uh-huh. And so really spend the time. And of course I'm a data guy. So, you know, of course I'm going to say that. (laughs) So, uh, but I I highly recommend if you're just getting started in organic social, spend the time, invest the money, get a good platform that will allow you to listen, uh, build insights and then put together uh, an effective plan. Perfect. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Such good advice. All right, Adam, we are going to do a little pivot now (laughs) and we're going to our extremely fun portion of the show that we call rapid fire. Gino and I will ask you some rapid-fire questions. You'll give us some rapid-fire answers, and we'll get to know you a bit better. So are you ready to go, Adam? Uh, I'm ready to go, and I love that sound effect, by the way. Thank you. That was was awesome. So here's your first question. If you weren't doing what you are doing today as a digital leader and expert, what would you be? Oh, boy. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, uh, on the side, uh, outside of, of work, I, I like to keep myself busy. Um, I actually run a alternative healing practice. A true renaissance man you are, Adam. Uh, <laughs> here's, here, here's an easy one for you. Uh, Mac or PC? Oh, PC all day. Well, let me say this. PC just because I understand it, but uh, <laughs> Mac because I envy people who have Macs and know how to use them and are good at it because I, good at them because I know how, you know, how much more you can do with a Mac than a PC. 
So there's my PC answer. There's your dad joke <laughs> uh, pun for the day. I like that. I like that. All right. What three words do you use to describe yourself? Oh, optimistic, um, fun, and um, intuitive. Ah, cool. Uh, favorite adult beverage? I, I don't drink alcohol anymore, but when I did drink uh, alcohol, it was Patron. Uh, head o- uh, yes, way, way, way ahead of everything else. I love my shots of Patron. I love it. All right, so tell us what is your most interesting talent that others may or may not know about. Uh, oh, holy moly. Um, well, I, I, I think it probably goes back. I think most people would be surprised because I don't talk a lot at my it was my, my, my marketing network, a lot about my, what I do on the side with hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, in other forms. So, uh, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I was just thinking about this last night where my dad, he, at six years old, he played Carnegie hall and he, uh, was a, a okay. brilliant pianist and just a prodigy. And I, I think a lot about my dad because, you know, he's, he's sort of my proof that you don't have to be you don't have to have a hundred years of experience to be really good at doing something. Mm-hmm. If you have a gift, you can just be starting and be phenomenal at what you do. And in fact, be better at what you do than people have been doing it for 20, 30 years. And so I'm, I, I, I like to think I'm super talented at, at hypnotherapy. I've helped a lot of clients um, overcome a lot of challenges they're going through. So that is my, that is where my strength is, I think. Awesome. Awesome. And Hidden to, talent. And to end on our musical theme, uh, who's your favorite band to see live in concert? Uh, Van Halen. Oh, by far. Love, love, love seeing Van Halen live. Got it. Well, Gino and I are both nodding. And there you have it. That is Rapid Fire with Adam Dintz. Adam, you win absolutely nothing for participating, but we got to know you better. We sure appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And I feel like I won just getting to chat with, with you both. This has been a really fun conversation. And Adam, before we let you go, we have a couple wrap-up questions. And one, it's we ask this of every guest, and that is, how do you stay current with all things digital? One, I have a phenomenal team that is constantly uh, sending me things to to read and catch up on. And so uh, uh, so that's one way. The other, uh, one of the other... Um, things I like to do is uh, I, I like to follow people on Twitter that are experts in their industry, in the industry mm-hmm. and read what they're sharing because there's a lot of content out there and it can be really hard to keep mm-hmm. up because, you know, I, I think a lot of publications still uh, follow that motto of, of um, quantity over quality. And I don't mean to say that in a negative way. It's just, you know, they've got their content calendars and they have to push out a certain amount of content. So not everything you read is going to be high quality. And so I prefer listening to my network, talk about social listening, and seeing what they're sharing and, and reading up on that and staying uh, ahead. And that, that really helps a lot. That, that is probably my favorite way. Um, I follow uh, Danny Sullivan. I follow uh, a gentleman named, named Glenn Gabe. Um, my buddy Jason Falls. Yeah, I, I could go on and on. Excellent. So if somebody, one of our listeners, would like to contact you to learn more, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, yeah, um, just Google the name Adam Dent. Uh, uh, that's the easiest way to find me. If you Google my name, you'll you'll find my LinkedIn uh, profile uh, as the number one result in Google, and just click on that and connect. And I'd love to I'd love to get to, to to know you guys. Excellent. So we will include that reference as well as the book and some of the articles you've mentioned, the studies. Uh, those people that you follow into the show notes so to make it easy for all of our listeners to access that as well. 
So Adam, again, what a great episode. I learned so much about marketing channels and how to use them to improve my business. I just really appreciate you joining us today, Adam. Yeah, thanks, Adam. That was awesome. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, do you know, another fascinating episode. I learned so much about all the different digital channels. What was one of your key takeaways? Well, you know, when he got into it and he was talking about early in his career, when the, when his boss asked him, you know how to code a website, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I did not know how to code a website. That reminded me so much of when I started working in digital where I didn't know anything. I don't, I don't actually, I don't know why you hired me at Radisson. <laughs> seriously, I had been doing brochureware site for a little dot-com downtown. Uh, I know good talent. When <laughs> I see it. No, but seriously, I was in the first meeting at Radisson and they were asking like, what's the best practice on a, on a, on a modified reservation? Do we hold it or do we cancel it and rebook? I'm like, I have no freaking idea what the answer <laughs> is. I'm like, you guys have hired the wrong person. But, but so many of us, like Adam, we just jumped in. And we learned on the fly. We trusted our gut. I tell my students that every day in class. I'm like, guys, tr trust your gut. Yeah. Trust your gut. It, you know, when was the last time your gut was wrong? But you're going to be forced to make decisions and, and, and be in jobs that you're maybe not qualified for. Just go for it. Well, and, you and learn on the fly. You're going to make some mistakes, but particularly in digital and the marketing using digital, it just moves so fast, way, way faster than 25 years ago. So yep. I want to build on that because he mentioned, I think, his first website in about 1998. And, you know, I worked together, or, mm -hmm. you know, back then it was, and websites really were that brochure that you referenced. Totally. You, you had a long form content mm -hmm. posted up that people read through and it has just evolved the whole, all digital channels, but particularly websites evolved so much to today. What, what kind of changes have you seen? Well, I, I remember like the, that company I was at before, before you hired me. I mean, w when I say brochure where it, it was taking brochures and scanning them into PDFs and then loading the file onto a website. Oh my gosh. So nothing was even clickable. It was just a big image, right? You know, to the place we're at right now where, where not only can we feature our products and services, but we can have, um, you know, FAQs to help people uh, answer their own questions so they don't they bombard our, our customer service people. Um, we can order products online. We can hire or find applicants online. We can, I mean, so much, you know, all our partners are all connected through our website. So it is bigger than brochureware. It's, it's really our business online, yeah. if you will. Well, and it used to be I would go there to learn something, right. gather information particularly now post-COVID, now I'm going there to have the whole experience. I'm learning, yeah. I'm uh, comparing, I'm buying, I'm right. telling others about it. So yeah. uh, just so fascinating. But what, what was another takeaway that you had? Um, the second one, when you asked him, I, I, I wasn't sure where he was going to go on this, but like your favorite channel. <laughs> um, and, he, and he mentioned search and he's spot on. I, I talk about this in my class all the time. It's like um, in, in most digital channels, Kathy, we're trying as marketers to push our message at our customers um, and try to be as relevant as possible so that we're not in the way. We're not bugging them, if you will. Like uh -huh. the best display ad is one that you don't realize is a display ad, but it's still a display ad, right? Uh -huh. um, and he's like, search is the only channel where we can get our message in front of our customers who have asked for our message at the time they care about that. So not only do we know we're giving them our messaging when they want, that, that, that they want, but it's when they want it. And it's so hard when he talked about the customer journey and trying to make sure you're at all those touch points that the customer might hit at the time they might hit them. Yeah. Or you just wait on search and say, come to Papa, ask for me. And when you ask for me, I will tell you who I am and I'll write there and, and make it easy for you. You know, when I uh, think back to all the 
time that we, you and I have been doing marketing together, I've led teams. I've always had the philosophy because I've been more of a direct marketer. Mm-hmm. Your content, even back before digital, had to be timely, relevant, and meaningful to have impact with whomever you're trying to reach. Now, and, and Adam said this with the search conversation, this idea of right message, right yeah. time yeah. to the right person. So what else comes to mind? What other kind of examples? Well, just the search example. I mean, if you want to have the right message at the right time, the right time is when the customer is asking for the message. Yeah. So your your accuracy there is going to be 100%. The other ones have to sort of, again, we have to hope that you care at the time that you care. Um, You know, we're getting better at it with with, with, um, like Facebook ads where we can be really targeted. I mean, we can get, you know, down to interest and location and income and uh, you know, all those things that allow us to hopefully have a better chance of right message, right time, right audience. Uh, but again, search, search is like, you're, you're, it's like a sledgehammer. You're just hitting right on that target. It's, it's, it's easy. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. Well, easy for you. So not so much for yeah. some of our listeners. He, he, he was very, very instructive. And I liked his poem, his acronym, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. around the different kind of media, mm-hmm. you know, paid the P-O-E-M. So mm-hmm. paid, owned and earned media, all mm-hmm. the different types. Mm-hmm. And that led to the, the omni channel and how you blend them all together. But particularly I've seen over, over time, this whole idea of earned has, you know, in the old days, it was strictly on the public relations side right. that hopefully you got a printed newspaper article mm-hmm. and social now has, has turned that on its head. So that was I love people need to think about that. I like that acronym and yep. how are you blending all those together? But what, yep. what else? What else came to mind? You know, I, I liked his appreciation for the entire uh, funnel, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. He had an appreciation for there's multiple steps in that funnel. Awareness, interest, consideration, trial, right? Before it turns into a sale. And we don't just want to reward the last touch because if we cut all the other ones, that last touch won't be as effective. Yeah. And as marketers, those of our listeners who lead teams or are running small businesses, he had this idea, what was it, assisted conversion? Yeah. So that was that point, like you're saying, is make sure you understand just because right. it isn't the final thing that the data is showing you, yeah. um, you got to remember that it's along the way. I saw the ad first. Right. I right. happen to be hungry when I'm checking out, so I grab those M&Ms. But yeah. yeah. It's, wh- like, it's like a restaurant. When you see all this foot traffic coming, you're like, wow, we don't need to do any advertising. You know what? The foot traffic came from the concierge at the hotel that recommended your restaurant. Yeah. You may have saw it as foot traffic coming in, but actually the person that put that foot traffic in front of your store yeah. or restaurant was the concierge and at the hotel. So keep that concierge. So keep the, yeah, yeah keep, exactly. Keep that, that channel engaged. And Absolutely. I guess that's the omni-channel. You know, that it's is. a multiple touch points. The other part that I loved was this whole idea of 80-20 yeah. when he was talking about social listening as a first step. Mm-hmm. So how do you get started? And he yeah. said that. 80% listening, 20% posting. And I'll tell you, even in my own company right now, we're flipped. Yep. We do probably 80% posting and 20% listening. So right. that was a key takeaway for me. Yeah, the whole sentiment thing with social media. Like, you know, one of my clients um, is a convention and visitor bureau, um, a local one, right? Uh-huh. And, and, and the big question, you know, the, the tendency is to just post uh, yeah. on social and just kick out these posts one after another. It's like, first of all, time out. Are we, are we on the offensive or are we on the defensive? Nice. Because if we have to prove something that we're not, we have to do it differently than if we want to reinforce a, a given persona of who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think we only know that, Kathy, if we just listen, right? Yeah. Um, to, know, to know, again, are we playing offense or defense? Key, key uh, um, a, a big aha, if you will. The other one, when he mentioned 80-20, gosh, it, it echoed when I, when I started my career in sales, I had my sales manager say, hey, I want to go on a couple sales calls with you. And uh-huh. I was like totally freaking out. I'm like, ah. <laughs> so in that, in that you know, sales presentation sure. or conversation, I just 
talked and talked and talked because I felt like any pause, I wasn't doing my job, right? And we got out to the car and I, it was like the only quiet part of it was after the meeting was over. <laughs> I finally shut up, walked to the parking lot, got in the car, turned it on. And all of a sudden he goes, how do you think that went? <laughs> and I said, I think I told him a lot of what he should consider doing. And he goes, you have two ears, one mouth, use them proportionately. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. And that notion of listening. Yes. And only then do you realize what the opportunity or what the need is. That's perfect. What like, a great example. Those, those quote-unquote tandem sales oh, calls where your boss gets oh, to go with you. Oh, my gosh. You learn firsthand. But, and it goes back to, to digital spaces. And, and listening can be in the form of watching behavior. But you yep. have to start just like you would in a sales call. Yep. You know, help me understand where you are right now. What, you know, what's, what's keeping you up at night? What problems can I help you solve? Totally. And it reminds me, again, I know you're a golfer. And I remember you know, my sales manager would say, you should spend time golfing with your customers. I'm like, I hate golfing. He's like, Look, 18 holes on the course, they're going to tell you something they wouldn't have told you otherwise because you're listening, right? There's all that dead time, right? Yes. And, and it is so important. And I think all, I mean, just in life in general, I think we could all uh, improve who we are by just listening more. Yeah, we can. Yeah. And, you know, when I've golfed with you, Gino, and, you know, you, oh. you, uh, you have a lot of strokes that you take, so you've got a lot of opportunity to listen. <laughs> I get, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my uh, swings per dollar yeah, yeah, is <laughs> way, high. Way up there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. ROI. I get, my, I get my money's worth. There you go. Yeah. Well, Gino, just what another great episode. Thank you for bringing Adam to I learned so much about all the different marketing channels and how you bring them all together to make your business better. Yeah, that was fun. Hey, I can't wait for the next one. Now for the encore, hold your applause, please. We can't leave without thanking the rest of our band who helped make this podcast really sing. Keeping us in the right key is rock and roll producer, musical polyglot, and recording wizard Tom Forletti. All right, it's Forletti, but whatever. Helping us harmonize the web and digital elements is our content and marketing troubadour, Seth Conover. Our podcast coordinating conductor is Christina Sagar. Our theme song is written and performed by Marco Giovanelli, which is played, unsurprisingly, in the key of D. And last but not least, thanks to my partner in crime, who's been helping me stay on beat business-wise for more than 20 years, Gino Giovanelli. I'm Kathy Hollenhorst. Thanks for listening.